0: 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. The
1: intensity is not a virtue. Oh, mercy! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
0: From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, as always. We're going to talk some O's today because we are just about a week into spring training games. A couple weeks into spring training in general. First, though, make sure you like, subscribe, leave a comment. Five stars wherever you are watching or listening to the Mass and All Access podcast. Of course, be sure to uh, give it a little review. A little if love. A little love. little love if you get the chance. Of course, I am at Paul Mancano on Twitter. He's at Bobby underscore Blanco. Bobby, we were just down in Sarasota together last week. Uh-huh. I was just uh, uh, down in Sarasota again this past week.
1: A lot of Sarasota.
0: A lot of Sarasota. Um, Florida is just... What an interesting state <laughs> they got down there. <laughs> what a place. what a, f- a place. Look, there's a reason they have Florida Man as a is a thing on the internet. That's you know, true. Like Florida Man does X. Yeah.
1: And uh, I think it was funny that uh, we had our um, great coworker, Ryan, with us, uh, mm-hmm. who was doing a lot of production behind the scenes and did a great job with our yeah. social media videos that we were running uh, throughout spring training. But, uh, of course, being Madison, we've got to cover both teams, so we we start at Sarasota, we have to go to West Palm Beach, and he goes, I can't wait to see the middle of Florida on our drive, our three-hour drive across yeah. the state. And we were like, really? Why? <laughs> <laughs> we get 15 minutes into driving in the middle of Florida, and he goes, well, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's I'm, like, I'm, I'm done. He's like, yeah, cool. We've got two hours and 45 minutes left, so buckle up.
0: You see those trees
1: and swamps? That's, There's going to
0: be a million more of that's those. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, but wow. It's a, weirdly flat. It is weirdly flat, kind of like, you know, it Can't, was all it, swamp. Not as flat as like a Kansas, but it is pre, it's, it is, it's a lot of swamp. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot
1: of swamp. Just straight across. Yeah, it's not hilly at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different world down there.
0: It is. Florida is, is best on the coasts. Yeah. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, always sunny. Uh, in Philly, that is true. Um, mm-hmm. So when I went down for the second Sarasota trip, um, I had some in- interesting interactions with uh, the Orioles head man, Brandon Hyde. We I flew in and I went to the Orioles... Uh, Phillies game, as a fan with our boss, Spiro Alifazos, and uh, he got us tickets, and he goes, oh, I got us great tickets. This is just to enjoy as a game. We haven't been to a game as fans in in years, it feels like. Uh, I haven't been to a spring training game as a fan in years, like 10 years, and he goes, we're gonna, you know, we got tickets right behind the Orioles dugout. I'm like, awesome. They're actually right behind the Orioles pseudo-in-the-stadium like coach's bench area, which is separate from the dugout. So we are literally first row behind Brandon Hyde and Tim Cousins. (laughs) And so he is literally like, I am staring at the back of his head for like most of the game. And I'm like, he's going to see me and say something. And so he, in between innings, he saw me and like thought that, and he was, he probably thought I was like spying on him. And he was like, be careful. Don't like record these conversations. I'm like, no, I won't. Like I'm trying to enjoy the game. But then uh, days later, I went out to dinner. Uh, this was my last night in Sarasota. Oh, Spiro had already left, so I went out to dinner by myself. And uh, I was, as I get a laugh from Amy Jennings, all right, I, you can do things by yourself, okay? You can go to a movie by yourself. Yeah. Go to a dinner. It was a seemed nice, like you didn't have an option, so yeah. I, don't, I don't blame you. Yeah, it was a nice, relaxing evening. So I am finished dinner, and I get up, and I turn around, and <laughs> I kid you not, but I lock eyes with Brandon Hyde, who, if you're watching the video, he literally looks at me and goes, like, shocked, like, raises his finger, and I, I go to him, I go, I swear I am not following you. <laughs> and at that point, he might have been been following me. Um, So, you know, who knows who was following who at this point. Yeah. But basically, uh, Brandon Hyde and I, I cannot go uh, five feet without uh, seeing each That's other. That's
1: so much worse because you were by yourself. Yeah. Like, the first instance, you're in a crowd... You're with someone else watching the game. It just happened. That's where you got tickets. That's also kind of bad. You could have picked anywhere else in the stadium, but uh, spirit probably didn't know. But, yeah, but it looks, that it looks bad. Can I ask where you were getting dinner? Uh, it was,
0: it's some place place. I think it's called Boca something.
1: Uh, okay, but it, it's it's
0: kind of like a healthier place. But that night, I also was like, but like what are It outs? was Fat Tuesday, and I was like, should uh, I go to Yummy Sushi, which is a place that we go and. Fill up all the time, so I was like, "Should I go there and enjoy it?" Yeah, or uh, you know what? I feel felt a little bit guilty. Felt like going to the healthy place that uh, one Sarah Perlman took us to way back in the day. Um, oh, oh
1: okay, so that's across the bridge. No, not Wait, that far. What? Not oh, that okay. far.
0: Um, I'm not sure you were on this trip. Gotcha. I think it might have just been me and uh, Olivia Withray all these people that have left us. Yes. Um, and uh, so I I got the healthy stuff, and of course he's sitting literally directly behind me. And I, and I think it's him, and I'm like, yep, that, there's no way it's not him oh, based on this.
1: Oh, yeah. buddy. Well, you should have done, since you are by yourself, you should have gone back to Owen's Fish Camp Oh, tremendous. and just posted about the bar or one of those first-come, first-served, like just waited it out and then yeah. sat there, and then just because Mardi Gras, I mean, yeah. that know, Tuesday just pigged out there on some of their fresh fish.
0: I was not thinking about that, but I probably should have yeah. at that point. That place is absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Worth or, the two-and-a-half-hour wait that we had.
1: Right. Well, that was worth it. No, a
0: hundred percent worth oh, it. Oh, yeah yeah. 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 Um uh, yeah, if you're in Sarasota going down to some o-, o Spring training games, go to Owen's Fish Camp.
1: You will wait forever, but it will be Yeah. They, it's one of those places that they they say we don't take reservations, but then you walk through it and there's like ten tables open and yeah. there's like a two hour wait. It's like, okay. They definitely just let the local people walk. Like they have their favorites. They have regulars, their favorites. Yeah, yeah. That they just walk up and get a seat whenever they want. We but gotta
0: befriend the staff to the point where every year when we come back, they they, they have a table that's ready for all access. us. Yeah, yeah. A,
1: an all-access banner. ready We gotta for to do us. some some, some
0: deep dive on the story on them. You know, make them make them look great. Yeah, A little quid pro quo. Right. If you want. And
1: then, but they always have that option of you can just order out the window and sit out back, listen to live music, and then that's what you should have done If, yeah. you, had, if you had to eat by yourself, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> of all places, and you and you again, it would have been I think fine if you were like with a group of people or even just another no, person yeah. turn around as you're walking out of this restaurant and you see Brandon high, but the fact that you're <laughs> by yourself yeah. makes it look like you're talking him so bad.
0: Yep. Exactly. Sorry, Brandon. Sorry. Sorry about that, but I'll probably see you again in two days. So who knows? Um. So we got some stuff to talk about here on the Mass and All Access podcast about the stuff on the field. Most importantly, we got to start with Chris Davis mm-hmm. because he has been so far- the story of the Orioles' Spring Training Camp. And he came to to camp. It started when he came to camp. Of course, everybody is in Roccabaco's mentions for the first few days after pitchers and catchers' report asking when Chris Davis is going to report. Like, an extra day in camp is going to help him, his batting average jump by X number of points. That doesn't really matter. So, he was a story, however, when he showed up 25 pounds heavier physically noticeably bigger of good weight is what he said yep and then he has followed that up by having an outstanding first week of spring training he's already got two homers um he was batting a thousand until he made an out today uh he has three walks he is having an outstanding start to spring training he's become a story at this point
1: yeah yeah and i think with the whole not reporting early thing it's that's like it's one of those like ticky tacky, like unsaid rules or like he didn't actually have to be there, no. but because you're Chris Davis, because you have the contract that you have, because you have the underwhelming numbers that you have in the past couple of seasons, like people want to see that you reported early to show that like you're working. I mean, for whatever, like you said, for whatever, because those two extra days of doing his workouts at the facility are going to help as opposed to doing them at home, right. whatever it was, not to mention he's got a young family that he probably wants to spend every ounce of time he has left before the season starts yeah. with. And I heard
0: through the grapevine that uh, he might have spent that past weekend at a father daughter dance. Like, so I mean, that's just adorable.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, yeah, I think as
0: a father, you're going to pick the father daughter dance as opposed to reporting early when you don't have to be there yeah. 10
1: times out of 10. Yeah. And, and, and like, People point out, well, Trey Mancini was there. A bunch of the younger guys, yeah. Well, we talk. A lot of the young guys are there because they live with the people who have to be there. Yeah. So yeah. like they have to move in when the guys that like the pitchers that they're living with down in yeah. spring training move in too. So it's not all just like, oh, I'm gonna show up early because I want to get extra work in and show that I'm extra working hard. No, that's not the case. But yeah, you're right. Back to the uh, hot start. I mean, the three home runs, <laughs> hitting over 800, is OPS is through the roof. It's spring training. But I think when you have a guy that in a situation like Chris Davis is again all the money, all the underwhelming seasons of past, you you just want to see as a fan probably and media members alike you know who cover the guy who, who like the guy on a personal level, you just want to see some sort of glimmer, some sort of light that shows okay this year has the potential to be better, slightly better you know and it's unfortunately with how Chris's career has gone or in his time with Baltimore the last couple of years, he can really only go up. And so that's all you want to see It's just like, all right, are we going to get a little better? Is there any point to where we can like, okay, we're not like frustrated or mad at you anymore. You are doing much better than you had before. And that's all we can ask at this point. And I think that, you know, again, early in the, in the spring training, he's shown that, yes, there is reason to believe that this time it could be different. And
0: look I- I I don't think Orioles fans are necessarily pessim a pessimistic group by any stretch. No, I th- I don't think they're I I think they're right in the middle. I don't think they're you know way optimistic. I don't think they're way pessimistic, but they want this guy to succeed more than almost anybody else in the organization. I mean, you can make an argument they still want him to succeed more than they want any prospect to succeed because they've seen what he can do. Yeah, you know if if a prospect flames out and isn't quite that guy. It's frustrating, but also, you know, that's, that's part of the life as a, a, a baseball player and a prospect is yeah. not all 100% hit. But this guy, we know what he can do. We've seen him have outstanding all-star seasons, record-breaking seasons. And to see him go through the doldrums of these past couple seasons have been incredibly painful for him, for fans following him. And he's acknowledged that. You know, he, he, when he had his first availability... Of the spring, he said, I don't want to continue to be a well below average player. He said he had conversations with his wife, Jill, in the offseason about potentially hanging things up and, and walking away from the game. He d- he still thinks he has something left to give in the game. And the truth is, Orioles fans want that to be true so badly. Yeah, They they have not given up on Chris Davis. Yeah. They haven't. And, and part of it is because... They can't at this point because the team hasn't given up on him because he's still under contract for three more years. But they want to see him succeed still. It's, it's not, you know, this, this relationship can be salvaged. They still have, you know, they still cheer him when he comes up to bat. He still gets some of the loudest cheers in the ballpark down in Sarasota and up here in Baltimore when he comes to the plate. So they want him to succeed so badly. So to see him do well is just a, a, a sigh of relief, I know, not only for Chris— but for Orioles fans, for people that cover the team, so that for Brandon Hyde, so that he doesn't have to get a million questions about it after every game. So it's just, if, no matter how long this ends up lasting, it is enjoyable while it lasts.
1: It's energizing too, as yeah. a fan. Like, you know, we're seeing guys or people on Twitter being like, yes, like, let's go. Like, finally, Chris Davis is going to yeah. mash this year. This team could be way better than we thought it could be. You know, take out the grain of salt, but you know what I mean. Um, and of course, like, Chris Davis. He's gonna have. There's gonna be groups of naysayers. There's gonna be groups of haters. Every athlete, every team, every fan base has those group of people. But if you're one of those people, my my thing to you is why wouldn't you want him to do? What? I mean, he's yeah. on your team. He's on your roster. He's the highest paid player on your roster. Why are you rooting? Why would you ever root against him? You right. want to be cheering every single time he starts to the plate. All right, this is gonna be the time you turn it around. This. I mean, he also plays great defense at first base. I mean. He's probably their best first-base glove that they have on those rosters as, as it's constructed. Um, if it's just a matter of getting that swing down, Brandon Hyde has been adamant that he likes that what he's seen from his swing, Chris Davis's swing, so far this spring, albeit it only been a couple weeks, but it just seems different to him. It's obviously... Popping off the bat ladder, you had that great video on your Twitter account, at Paul Mancano of him taking BP, crushing balls, and that got a lot of engagement because people are excited. People want to see this guy match because that's what he is being paid to do. Yeah. You want to root for your hometown guy. The Orioles are 10 times better when Chris Davis is better, and that's the frustrating part is, like, like you said, we've seen him do this before. We know we can do it. It's just a matter of getting back to that point and being able to contribute to the team and then we can all back this guy again. Not that we ever didn't back him, but now we can, like, all right, he's not holding us down anymore. He's not just sucking up his mil- his millions of dollars. He's actually contributing in a positive way to this team offensively and being back to the Chris Davis that we thought he was when the Orioles paid him.
0: And the last couple of springs, we've heard similar stories. There, There's always some kind of message from Chris about, you know, things that he's worked on in the offseason, things that he hopes to improve, and a certain way that he's attacking Um, his style of play and you know he has the past couple years he's changed things up Um, and every time this is this is with every player in in major league baseball because every every fan wants to believe that they're in the best shape of their life right cetera. but Orioles fans especially you know you want to believe that this is going to be the change but this might actually be the change like you want to believe it but the, the reasoning behind this change seems to make a fair amount of se- uh, sense. So basically what he said was the reason he added 25 pounds of good weight is because the past couple years he has been noticeably leaner. Um, he, and especially during the, the Hitler streak that he had at the beginning of last year,
1: mm.
0: he had a ton of balls to the warning tra- track and to the deep parts of the park that would just die out there. They would die at the wall. They would die on the warning track. And he believes part of that is due to the fact that he had less strength, that he was a little bit leaner. He's, he's never going to be, you know, a gap-to-gap hitter. He's never going to be a guy who squeaks out infield singles. He is, when he is hitting, it is because he is hitting homers and yeah. long doubles. So he wants to get back to that. He wants to, cha- to you know, cha- a- a- make up for that 10-feet difference and just get the ball over the fence. Turn those long fly balls into home runs. Adding that weight might actually do that. Uh, you know, it's so long as he's still, he still, he has to consistently make contact. He has to see the ball better than he has in, in years past. But maybe a few more of those balls go over the fence. Maybe mm-hmm. he gets a few more homers. And the thing that we've seen early, again, early in spring training, the two homers that he's hit, left field and left center field, he's going the other way with balls. That shows that he's he's got power still and maybe increased power to the opposite field. It's hard to hit an opposite field home run. Yeah and to, to to he's got the hand eye coordination down at least at this point to be able to barrel up those baseballs and go the other way.
1: And I think you brought up a good point of in terms of past spring trainings like with Chris Davis and plenty of other athletes as well, it's definitely a point of time where we're saying, all right, it's enough, don't tell me, show me. And like yeah. you said, the past couple of spring trainings, he has come in and said, yeah, I worked on my swing so hard this offseason, I'm expecting to be better, and then he hasn't. This year he, he's coming in and saying I, I've changed um, I'm add, I am added weight not really changing my swing, but trying to get stronger and the results are there. You think back to last season, I mean, we were having the opposite conversation last, this point last year because he did say like, yeah, I worked really hard to get better this offseason, but his numbers weren't there he hit 189 last spring only three home runs. He's already matched that in the first week of games uh, in terms of the three home runs. Uh, he hasn't reached base in only one of his plate appearances so far spring, which is crazy considering that we're talking about Chris Davis. So it is a little bit of, that he's brought upon himself, but you're right. This is finally, we're at a, we're finally getting to the point where he's getting to the show me part. Yeah. You know, it seems like we can see the added weight, you know, we can't really see the tweaks he made to his swing and BP in the batting cages that aren't close to the media in the spring training game against the minor league pitcher. Maybe on a certain level you can, but not too much. We can see that he looks bigger. He looks back to being crushed. You know, he looks like the big guy that is going to crush 40 plus home runs. Uh, as long as it gets the bat on the ball that, <clears throat> yeah, you mentioned those guys, those foul balls. I mean, those balls dying at the warning track or being pushed just foul, those turn into long balls, you know, with that little extra muscle. So that's something that he is now showing us that we don't have to just take his word for it. We can actually see it on the field and see it in his physical shape, uh, just standing there. Yeah, and
0: of course, spring training stats, with all of them, you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, You know, the stats just don't matter. And especially with Chris, back in, you look at his career history in, in terms of spring training, and back in 2014, when he had really the first, very bad season of his career when he hit 196 that season, only 26 homers in 127 games. That was coming on the heels of a great 2013, but that 2014, he had a very great spring training. He hit four homers. He hit 405 in 13 games. Again, that that is just the nature of spring training. So stats can't all be trusted. Um, and then the next year, you know, hit 250 in spring training and went out and hit 47 homers during the regular season. So, you know. With all spring training stats, they lie, and especially we've seen it in past with Chris Davis. Right. However, I think he, while the stats lie about spring training, it is the the other things that you see, like you said, Bobby. It It's the fact that you can literally see he is bigger. Yeah. The fact that, you know, and, and that is when he had his most success as a player was when he was hitting long home runs because he was a physically imposing guy that could just muscle balls... Uh, you know, talking more about uh, somebody who has left us, Olivia Witherite, her favorite home run of Chris <laughs> Davis' career was one that he he basically hit one-handed. Yeah. I think it was a low and outside pitch that basically just stuck his bat out and was able to put it over the fence. And he just had that power. He he had that unbelievable wrist strength and the upper body strength to muscle those balls over the fence she said that, and, and I agree with her, it's one of the most impressive things that she's so seen from a baseball. hard to do. Thing. It's yeah. so
1: hard to hit a baseball that way, not to let's hit a home run. Exactly.
0: And look, the Chris Davis of the past two years could not do that. Yeah. Um, also,
1: don't forget, he also hit a home run by breaking his bat. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he basically hit a home run with a twig. Yes. Uh, so that's impressive. They didn't make a job, but No, yeah.
0: but no. So to get him back to that guy, you know, the, the logic makes sense. Again, yeah. the results, still TBD. But the logic behind this move makes sense.
1: Just to touch on the your point about spring training numbers, of course, they can't be considered like valid at all, yeah. really. But I think there, to a certain extent, there is. You can see trends. Like you mentioned the two good years he had in 15 and 16, 405, 250, sorry, 14 and 15. But the past couple of years where he struggled, he's hit below 200 in spring training. Uh, and the one outlier of those couple of years, he hit above two hundred. He only played in nine games. Yeah. So there, I think it's it's not about seeing like the all, like on paper production. It's more of like spreading it out and kind of picking up the pace and seeing towards the end of spring training that you can carry into the regular season to start putting up those numbers. So like in fourteen fifteen, you know I, I I'm not diving deep into it, but he probably you know over time got better and better as spring training went on. And that's how we got to those high numbers. He never really progressed through those other years throughout spring training, and that's why we then saw that also not progress throughout the yeah. regular season. It's so hard to progress throughout the regular season. That's why we have spring training so you guys can kind of, so the guys can get into that rhythm and, and they hit the ground running come the regular season. Now with this year, hitting 800 in the first week, he's starting off hot. It's going to be not of. It's not like, all right, is this the new norm? It's all right. Can you kind of, you know, it's he's he's gonna come back down to earth. We're not we're not crowning him like the AL MVP right now, but he's it's spring training. You take him for a grain of salt. But can he kind of spread that out and, and be consistent with it and have some kind of repetition with his production at the plate? Um, to carry into the regular season, and then that grow into a good regular season.
0: Well, we know one thing. Everybody in Baltimore is rooting for it. Everybody in the coaching staff and front office is just rooting for him to return to the Crush Davis that we've seen. Yeah, A uh, couple other storylines and a couple other guys that we should talk about for the first week or so of spring training games. Alex Cobb made his spring training debut. That was encouraging to see. Uh, he pitched only one inning against the Phillies, but that was part of the plan because – There was a bug going around the locker room that, for some reason, everybody was getting. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't a like a a a body, you know, a a muscular or anything like that issue. It was a
1: like it it wasn't (laughs) an injury, cough, (laughs) like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, So he, which nowadays, I mean, you can't be too safe, honestly. And that bug was going around when we were there too. It was kind of like.
0: I was I was worried I was gonna catch it from somebody. At, yeah, at some point. I
1: mean they sent home Hunter Harvey. They sent home Pedro Severino a couple days. Like, Mancini it wasn't, got hit. Mancini. Yeah. It wasn't just like Alex Cobb showed up sick. No, it was like an actual thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, but he had a scoreless inning in that game. Um, that was good to see. Uh, he struck out two, um, or, or no, I sorry, no strikeouts in that game, but scoreless inning in that one appearance. Just good to see him get it back out on the mound. Yeah, like that's that was the only real requirement, you know, and not get totally shelled in an inning. Right, but just to see him get back on the mound was a huge positive.
1: And if I recall correctly, another positive to add on top of. I mean, you're right. The the bare positive, the base was him being out there to begin with. That is yeah. good enough. That's good enough right there to see. But I think Brandon Hyde even went further being like, and you know what? He had some life on his fastball. He was like touching mid nineties. So that's good to see too, that your first outing, you 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 feel comfortable going like, I mean, with an injury plague season, like he had, you know, it, it could be very understandable that he doesn't have the full strength, the full range of motion that he would. Yeah. And you know, you, you might be a little, like you said, he didn't get battered around. That's really good to see too. But you know, it would have been like a little understandable to have been like, all right, you have a couple soft hits there. You're, Fastball's not where it should be, but the fact that he was able to you know, throw some movement on that stuff means that he's been not just trying to get better physically, but also working on his craft as well. So, encouraging start for uh, Alex Cobb.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Another encouraging start. Today, especially, Ryan Mountcastle had a great game. Good Lord. He is starting to hit the ball very well, (laughs) and uh, we knew that that was an inevitability at some point or another. And again, it's spring training, but... At some point, this guy is going to force his way onto the roster. And it's he he is ready to play any position that the coaching staff has asked of him. Um, you know, he he said during the offseason he worked at all three positions, uh, outfield, third base, first base. So he is prepared to play. Look, it's it's if he's going to make this team, it's probably not going to be at first base. No. They have Chris Davis there. They have Trey Mancini, who's more of an outfielder at this point, but still a first baseman.
1: I mean, ideally, it wouldn't be at first base because yeah. that means Trey and Chris are hitting pretty well.
0: Yes. Yeah, true. Um, it, it probably is going to be in the outfield, I think. Yeah. Uh, he played in left field today, uh, went three for three, had a couple doubles and a homer. At some point, he's going to force his way onto the roster, and it's just going to be a matter of time. He's, he, if it, it, what our most likely scenario, he starts the year down in Norfolk. It couldn't be, you know, if he start if he's hitting three hundred after a month, conversations are going to start swirling.
1: Yeah, he was the league MVP last year for that for the Easter International League. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what more can he do? Yeah, you know, that's just that's, defense, that, right? Yeah, but and, offensively, there's and, nothing, right? And so, like, that's where we're at right now with with Mountcastle. It's all right, and especially with the way he's hitting to start the spring training. All right, we know we knew this. <laughs> You're showing yeah. us what we knew. That's great. Now show us where you we can put you. Yeah. In terms of defense, where are you most comfortable in the outfield? You have to keep in mind that we have an influx of outfielders as well. Young guys that have already made the breaking through to the major leagues at some point. Of course, Trey Mancini is a staple there. Where are we going to put you? You have to kind of work your way onto this roster defensively because we know your bat's going to play anyways.
0: Yeah. Um, some guys, I think it has been kind of a downer of a storyline, but because of the bug that's going around and because of a rash of injuries, I think we haven't quite seen as much from the young guys as we might otherwise. Right. Uh, Alex Wells has had a strained oblique, I believe.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And it was supposed to be just a sore arm and turned into an oblique.
0: Right. Similar to what we saw last year from Dean Kramer, who has done well, by the way, so far. Um, but, you know, very similar situation. Um, but one guy that has performed well given a little bit of an opportunity, a guy who was flown under the radar, Ryland Bannon, yeah, one of the guys taken back in the Manny Machado trade.
1: Yep, the guy you've talked to a couple times on All Access. Right. Um, he, I, he's also flashing, am I correct? Like He's made a couple strong defensive plays yeah. down there as well. They're the using him just mostly at third. Yeah, um, which is interesting in and of itself, because uh, I guess you, you would figure right out the gate, if it's not Mountcastle, especially if he's playing more outfield right now, Third base is probably covered. We talked about this at length this offseason, but it's going to be Rio, Rio Ruiz. I know they've thrown Renato Nunez over there a couple of times just to get him reps. But yeah, the fact that they're throwing Bannon at third as well is interesting enough because he's kind of more of a utility infielder, right? He's kind of played all over the place.
0: He can play. I believe he can play second, and I think he has played short was on he, occasion. Was he, was he the third exactly.
1: baseman for Bowie last year? I think typically, mostly, mostly? yes. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, this is where... I think for me personally, we're going to see a lot of guys trying to make their jumps. Is Can they perform defensively? Um, We talk about all the time, like bats usually come around. If you're a good hitter, you'll come around, you'll adjust, you'll grow with the game. uh, It'll slow down for you. But can you adjust defensively and prove your worth in the field? That's what's going to be a a big question mark for some of these young guys. And we just talked about it, the same thing with Mountcastle. With the influx of outfielders, what makes you stick out? Because they... Everyone's going to be able to hit pretty well. It'll, it'll average itself out, but who can provide, like, major league-level defense? That's going to yeah. be the big question mark. So um, good for Bannon.
0: Yeah, and Bowie last year, by the way, he had 38 games at second base, 69 at third, and then when he was moved up to Norfolk at the end of the year, played all 20 of his games, the AAA level, at third base. So um, he is mostly a third baseman. So where do they put Mountcastle? In the outfield? I think they moved him all over. That's when they tried him in the outfield. And they moved him, they first. moved him to first base yeah. a little bit. Um, they they tried him really all over the place. Yeah. So um, you know it's it's going to be interesting. But it, again, it's good to see for a guy that has flown under the radar, and frankly, a system that is loaded with pitching talent. Yeah. and is loaded with outfield talent. They don't have a whole lot of infield talent. Yeah, you know they especially have, especially Ma- in
1: the lower levels. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. It depends on you know what you see. Mountcastle as. but beyond Mountcastle. Really, not a whole lot there. Yeah. He's like a Gene Carlo, uh, Carlos Encarnacion, who's yeah. way down in the minors. And then you got Ryan Bannon. So he
1: has an opportunity for himself there. Yeah. Ryan McKenna is another name. That's, yes. So you can throw in the outfield mixture as well. And he's having a strong start to spring training. I believe he had a. Oh, he's, I know, you know, he doubled he, in the run yesterday.
0: Yeah. He came around to score. He had a stolen base. Yeah. I, he, They might have called it a... Anyway, he had a good jump at first. Right. Stole, you know, stats don't matter. Had this basically a stolen base. Yeah. um, An RBI single and came around to score in a wild pitch. So So
1: another name that I think, no offense to Ryland Bannon, but probably a little more familiar with Orioles fans, but kind of flying on the radar again because there's so many outfielders there. So he's the guy that's performing pretty well to start. He's also huge,
0: like way bigger than he came that I saw him last year.
1: Yeah. No, because he was a
0: McKenna is yo. I didn't this mean to I
1: didn't mean to I don't want to call him a small dude, but he was kind of like around my size ish. Yeah. And then I saw him in the locker room when we were there. I think he just He's popped a big in dude. He, he got there early, but he popped in real quick and I was like, Oh my God, he got big. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's much bigger. Um all right, couple other names that we should run through real quickly. Um a couple guys that have struggled a little bit that might not be as ready as we might have thought. Uh, Keegan Aiken, I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for him um, over the past couple of years, especially, uh, you know, last year. He spent the whole year with AAA, had a, a ERA a little bit over four, got added to the 40-man roster, and he's gotten hit around a little bit. He's allowed three earned runs in two innings. Not time to press a panic button, but I think it could be, if I had the two guys, Zach Lowther, uh, sorry, not Zach Lowther. Uh, Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken. Those two guys that were added to the 40-man roster. If I had to take a guess, I think Kramer has the better chance to be on the the Orioles roster, the 26-man, sooner than Keegan Aiken.
1: Yeah, and and with Keegan Aiken, it's, we've been, it feels like we've been waiting for him for a long time. His name has popped up yeah. for the past couple of seasons when, in terms of talking about the minor league pitching prospects. That also might be because... For a long time, at the beginning of his time with the Orioles, there weren't too many pitching prospects. So he True. was like the one that always popped up because he was the better of the few that they had. Now you have all of these pitching prospects, and that locker room was stacked, overflowing, literally, of pitching prospects. Um, kind of falling behind the wayside. Tough start. Um again, early. Who is he facing? A, yeah. a lot of these things, True. I mean, like, you know... Is he on the split squad bus going to go play, you know, the Yankees in uh, in Tampa or going out to play the Phillies in Clearwater? Like, it's – it's that all kind of happens. Again, averages will play out, and we'll see where it lands. But tough start for a kid that had a lot of high hopes coming into this spring training specifically.
0: Yeah, and then Zach Lowther uh, has gotten hit around a little bit as well. Remember, he played mostly at double-A level last year, four earned runs in an inning and a third. Again, all those same, you know – uh, caveats to his performance. But, um, you know, I think if I had to take my guess, I think he spends, I think it's most likely we don't see Lowther in 2020 in the major league level. Um, I think he spends a lot of the year at AAA, uh, might spend some time at Bowie, but I think he's he's going to be a guy that's going to fit into that Norfolk rotation. But down the line, I think we are definitely going to see Zach Lowther. But I, again, I think this just kind of reinforces, he's not going to make some major, you know, leap up to the majors at point, some point this year but he will continue to grow at AAA.
1: No, he was great last year for the Bay Sox. And I think that's going to be like probably where his starting point is. And like you said, jump at the AAA, let's see how he plays up there. Cause you know, we've talked to Buck Burton a bunch near the end of last season and even at spring training. And he has a lot of things, great things to say about Zach Lowther. So still kind of young, he's only 23 years old. I think his progression is still under like underway, but like slowly starting to pick up space sp- yeah. um, and, and, yeah, twenty twenty might be a stretch, but you know, I mean, we're, we'll see where this team is, and come September, maybe a call up and see where what you got exactly.
0: And then another name that I mentioned, how Alex Wells has missed time, and uh, that's been kind of frustrating, I'm sure from his perspective, but from fans because they want to see these guys. Uh, el Diaz, we have not yet seen, yeah, um, and uh, still battling
1: that injury. Yeah,
0: so hopefully he is able to get healthy, um, so that we can see him. He crushed last year in spring training, if you yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be an exciting name as well to throw out there.
1: And had a strong start to the season before the injury. And he just never was the same uh, for Bowie near the end of last season. Um, it is frustrating. But Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias are not going to rush this guy. I mean, he's he's not one of their own in terms of, like, he was here before. You he got traded for that Manny Machado, Machado deal before mm-hmm. Elias and Hyde got here. But he's still a probably a he's still a prized prospect, and that they want to be careful with him, especially with an injury like this. Ease him into it, don't rush him, um, and, and let's see how he he kind of adjusts. Yeah, and, awesome, and heals.
0: Plenty of time left in spring training. Plenty of storylines also to circulate and uh, grow as we go along. So we will keep you updated. We will be back at some point next week on the Mass and All Access podcast. Again, you can subscribe, review, like. Do all that good stuff. Send us some love on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Watch on Facebook. Watch on YouTube. He's at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. I am at Paul Mancano on Twitter. And, of course, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Thank you to Amy Jennings and Hannah Broder. Behind the scenes, we'll see you later.